Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. Our thoughts have gotten wild this year. We've, we've gone over a lot in this series, Wild, so far about how to reorder our thought life, right? Take thoughts captive, focus on the word, put his kingdom first. And, and it's all been helpful. Has it been helpful? Maybe I should ask you. <laughs> it's been helpful to me. <laughs> but there is so much more to learn from the word about our thought life. I just keep finding more and more in the word, more subjects I want to cover, more things that God wants to speak to us about, about our thought life throughout this series. I I, I had, again, I had so many subjects I, I want to cover, but I happened to read the David and Goliath story this week, and I just couldn't get past it. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I'd like to read a portion of this to you today, maybe not the most famous portion, but a piece of this story today. Maybe some of you haven't even heard it since, you know, Sunday school when you were a kid. Uh, For those of you who haven't heard it in like 30 years or something, David, he's a big character in the Old Testament, right? And we see him pretty much his whole life. We have so much information about the life of David. We don't about a lot of Israel's kings, right? There's so many more stories in the word that I just wish that they were more of, you know? Just, God, why can can I have one more detail about this crazy story? But we have a lot of details about David's life. David has been called by God unexpectedly as the next king of Israel, the second king of Israel. The first one didn't work out so well. Uh, His predecessor, Saul, couldn't trust God. And he had a couple of chances and God finally said, you know what? Enough is enough. It stops here. And so Saul wasn't doing a great job and God anointed someone else while Saul was still king. He anointed David. David just happened to be a young, simple shepherd. just a shepherd. He he was the youngest of eight brothers. He had seven older brothers. He wasn't even a thought to his father. When the prophet Samuel came and said, I need to anoint one of your sons. Let me see all of your sons. His father was like, "Uh, who? David? No. Couldn't possibly mean David. He's still out in the field with the sheep. Should I really call for him? Yes, you should call for him. They call in David. They anoint David as king of Israel, even though there is a king of Israel. Okay? I want you to see this little portion of the story that happens in 1 Samuel 17, verse 23. Now, David's father had sent David out into the field. His brothers, uh, actually a Philistine army came marching against Israel, right? And and his brothers were out there with the army ready to fight against the Philistines. And and David's father is like, you know what? Take your brother's food. And so We're going to pick up the story right here in 1 Samuel 17, verse 23. As David was talking to his brothers out in the field, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Now, you all remember a little about Goliath, right? 
hasn't been too long that you forget who Goliath is. We use his name as a word for a big guy, right? Goliath was nine feet, it said over nine feet tall, actually, in the word. He was this huge, massive warrior. He had made a life out of being a warrior. His very name invoked fear, okay? Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. He had been doing this a while already. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant, the men asked? He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. It's a pretty good gig, yeah? David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. Yes, that is the reward for killing him. But when David's older, oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. He was, wasn't he? Only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Here it is in verse 31. Don't miss this. Then David's question was reported to King Saul. And the king sent for him. One of those verses that seems just, it's a skip over verse, right? Yeah, this is how it happened. But his question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. This is why I couldn't let this go this week. The king sent for him. The king. The king sent for him. David was a nobody at this point. He had played the harp a few times for King Saul, but Otherwise, he was still a shepherd in a field sent out to bring food to his brothers. He wasn't even in the army. He wasn't supposed to be there. He was the youngest of an old man who had seven other sons. He wasn't even a thought to his father when the prophet Samuel came. Like, he was out in the fields with the sheep. David was a nobody. All he did at this point was ask a question got him an audience with the king. Anyone else thinks that's crazy? I couldn't let that go this week. Like, what am I missing here? There's an entire army out there in the fields. The king's not sending for any of them, right? David, his brother got angry with him for even asking the question. There was something about his question. David was thinking differently than everyone else. David was a dreamer. He was an optimist at some points. He was anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit at this point. David thought differently. That's it. That's what got him an audience with the king. Look, we have talked in the series about how to ward off bad thoughts. We've talked about replacing them with good thoughts. We've talked about mental health and putting his kingdom first and loving God with all your mind. But today... We're going to talk about how even your thoughts can get you noticed. How even your thoughts can get you seen. Your thoughts can bring favor in your life. How is it that the Holy Spirit can bring favor on your life with just a thought? David's thought was, what is going on? 
what is the, the reward and, and who is allowed to speak against God like this? All he had were questions. That's what got him noticed. Look, fear wasn't David's first go-to here. Everyone else was, was running away. There is a nine-foot-tall bronze-covered warrior out there throwing horrific insults at them with a javelin the weight of a, a large boulder. Literally, the Bible tells us he has even heavy armor on, right? And, and he, David is literally the only one that has this particular thought. The only one. He's the only one that asked the question. And an entire army of dudes trained to fight this particular fight, he was the only one that had the gumption to even ask the question. I just couldn't let this go this week. His question, just a question, made such an impression on everyone that heard it that someone reported it to the king. And it made an impression on the king, so the king sent for him. Look, thinking... Differently from the crowd will get you noticed. Holy Spirit kind of thinking, the kind of renewal that the Holy Spirit brings to your mind, to your thoughts, will get you noticed. It brings favor. Fear wasn't his first go-to like everybody else in the crowd because, well, that was my question. And I came up with a few pretty obvious answers as I started to think about the life of David. Why was fear not his first go-to? I talk to so many people that want to be free from fear. How do I just be free from it? Yeah, it's my first go-to. I worry and I, I get all twisted. I'm anxious. I'm whatever all the time. How do, how, how do I not have fear be my first go-to? I want that for myself. I, I want God to be with me. I want that peace that passes all understanding. But how? David started with the little things. David's story did not start with Goliath. It didn't start much before that, but we get some details about who David was out there in the field. He was faithful with the little things. Parents, in honor of Father's Day today, uh, this is probably the best parenting advice that I can give you. Be faithful with the little things with your kids. Parenting is in the little, good parenting is in the little things. When they tell you something that seems little and silly, look them in the eyes and hear it, right? Listen, do that consistently, and they'll be way more likely to tell you the big things too. Don't overreact to the little things, and they'll be more likely to tell you the big things too. But it works the other way too. Correct and discipline firmly and consistently. The little disobediences and they'll be less likely to commit the big ones. Two, be faithful in the little things. Fear wasn't David's first go-to because he had already conquered a bear and a lion in his shepherding. And this is something he quotes to the king later. The king's like, well, what do you mean you can do this? And he's like, yeah, I've conquered a bear. I killed a lion. Right? I, I got this. Out in the fields where no one else is watching. This is probably why his brother thinks he's a liar because nobody else was there to see the bear and the lion killed, <laughs> right? Yeah, sure you did, David, right? Sure you did. But no, even though no one could confirm it, it was out there all alone. To me, being cool and collected in the face of Goliath proves it. David had already seen a thing or two. 
out there in the sheep when no one was watching. He protected his sheep. And more than that, out there in the fields, he was faithful. He developed his skills as a warrior with just what he had in his hand. He had a rock. He had a slingshot. He had predators. And he had a harp, by the way. Right? He didn't sit out in the fields and snooze or whine and complain that there wasn't more to do for God or, or I've been anointed and, and now what? No one's come for me, right? All my father will trust me with is taking food to my brothers. Like I'm not even out there on the battlefield. He was just faithful. This is probably my favorite detail about the story of David. Out there in the field, just faithful. I picture it a little bit like a Mr. Miyagi situation. Right? Wax on, wax off. He he was doing the little things. He didn't even know he was preparing yet for the big things. But that's what he was doing. Developing skills he didn't even know he would need later in life just by being faithful with the little things. That's how you conquer fear, by the way. One situation at a time. One little thing at a time. You stack the victories. Faith is not something you just muster up. You're going to walk out the doors and say, and I'm, I'm just going to have more faith. No, it's built over time. By, by having faith for something little today, you have faith for something bigger tomorrow because you've, you've seen God work. You've experienced God working. I, I tell this story a lot, but my big ma- main fear when I was younger was just social anxiety. I, I was terrified of people. So insecure. And, and who I was. But I collected little things along the way. I tell you all the time how I used the word. I quoted scripture to myself and over myself out loud. And I said, I am going to be bold as a lion today. The wicked flee, though no one pursues them. But the godly are as bold as a lion. I'd quote these things to myself. But I also picked up little things uh, along the way to help myself get more comfortable and confident in my own skin and talking to people. Like, like be the first to say hi. In anything. <laughs> I know to people who haven't struggled with social anxiety, it sounds dumb and little, but being the first to say hi was one of those little things that I, I conquered. It puts me in charge of the conversation. Right? I don't have to wait and see, are they going to talk to me or are they not? I'm saying hi. Hi, I'm Candace. And then have a couple of questions in your back pocket. Where are you from? You know, get to know you questions. Do you have kids? What do you do? That kind of thing. Know people's names. Remember names. I've spent six years in the back meticulously remembering kids' names. I wanted them to feel known when they came into church. Not just have fun, right? Not just go home with a memory verse, but feel like somebody really knew them. That starts first with a name. So I had to get good at remembering names. I conquered these things little by little. I stacked the victories. I had little victories with little conversations, and God began to grow my influence, my my confidence, my skill with it. Didn't happen overnight. I didn't conquer fear overnight. And I think that's how a lot of people think about it. How do I just flip the switch? How do I just become less fearful? It's one small step at a time. There's not a magic pill, (laughs) right? God will be faithful as you are faithful. I was also... Growing up, I was, I was good at writing, just in language arts class, you know, I was good at writing, not fiction, but nonfiction. I wasn't good at speaking, but I was good at, at writing. I was faithful with writing, and God developed my skill. Today, I type out my sermons almost word for word. <laughs> 
it's practically a script before delivering them because I'm a way better writer than I am a speaker. And God is using that skill because I was faithful with a little, faithful with what I had. And I'm not bragging on me here today because <sighs> left to myself, I would still be that shy little girl, scared of everything. I know I would because I still feel that fear sometimes. I just am able to overcome it now. Like God did that in me. I'm, I'm still terrified of the world if left to my own devices. I'm pretty sure I'd have anxiety headaches every day, maybe be depressed a lot. Those are not exaggerations. That's probably the truth. But I've stacked the victories. I was faithful with a little and God met me there. He did this in me. That's why I'm so confident in saying he can do it for you too. He did it for me. Fear isn't my first go-to anymore. It's not my first go-to anymore. Still there sometimes, but it's not the loudest voice anymore. Learned how to turn down the volume on that voice to the point where his voice is so much louder. I've been and experienced too much with God to not know that it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. That if he's called me to it, he's going to get me through it. Right? That, that if he's called me, he's going to equip me. That if he's called me according to his purposes, it's going to work out for my good. So where to start conquering that fear, that fear that makes everybody else run away, but made David stand up? So you start with the small thing. Just today. What are you afraid of? What gives you anxiety and fear today? What makes you most angry? Maybe it's, it's anger that you struggle with. What makes you most not yourself? You conquer something small. Be faithful with something small. I said this before in this series, but it seems to keep coming back up. Who are you when no one is watching? Are you the same person? Who are you when no one is watching? That is being faithful with a little. Are you self-controlled when no one is watching or only in public? Now, I, we were in New York City this week. We took the kids and, you know, riding the subway is always an experience. Uh, <laughs> we're sitting waiting for the train and uh, there's some graffiti on the wall and I'm reading it out loud. Come to a word that I don't want to say in front of my children, you know, but Telly's 10, she can read. <laughs> so as I'm reading it, she also sees that I use a different word instead of that word. And she looks over at me. She was like, did you really want to say it? This is a 10-year-old question. <laughs> and I said, well, honestly, I think it rhymed or something. I was like, it would have been satisfying to say it. You know what I mean? Because it rhymes. <laughs> but no, because actually, if I'm, if I'm self-controlled in the moments where only you are watching... I'm more likely to be self-controlled in the moments where everyone is watching, right? So I control myself even when no one is watching. A lot of people struggle with cursing. Like, how do I just stop? I know I shouldn't do it. I want to stop doing it. You censor yourself all the time, not just around people, <laughs> right? Those thoughts pop up. We've talked about this already in the series. Things come into your brain unsolicited, right? Doesn't mean you have to act on them doesn't mean you have to entertain them. It doesn't mean you have to say them in your head. Censor your thoughts, and then it won't come out of your mouth when it matters, right? As Christians, we, we often want to work on, like, our, our competency first, not our character. 
Right? Like, we're worried about witnessing to people because what if they ask a question about the Bible that I don't know the answer to? That's competency. I want to be a good Christian. I want to know what I'm talking about. What if, what if I don't know the answer? Look, the world doesn't care nearly as much about how much you know about the Bible as it does about how much you love it or how well you love it. <laughs> about how you control your tongue, how you control your, your anger in those stressful times about how you control your selfishness, right? Work on your character first. Allow the Holy Spirit to work on your character first. Competency will come as you study the word, as you're faithful with the little things. Who are you when no one is watching? What are you doing when no one is watching? Be faithful with the little things. Number one, the, the how, right? Fear wasn't David's first go-to. How? The number one is David had put the time in. He was faithful with the little things. He put the time in to develop his skills. You also have been given the gift of time. You're sitting here today, breathing air. You have been given the gift of time. You're using it well this morning, right? You can pat yourselves on the back because you came to church today to edify yourself, to spend time worshiping the Lord and to be encouraged with the word. That's putting the time in to develop your skills. Many of us, we're not doing that anymore after the year we've had. You are, but you've been given the gift of time. Start using it. You've been given gifts and, and talents. Start developing them. Instead of focusing on all the things that you're not, right? all the ways you're, you're not like other people, all the ways you aren't qualified to minister, focus on what makes you different. <laughs> the gifts and talents that God has placed within you. Let God develop something in you. Now, I've heard of, of people developing, you know, learning how to play the piano at 60 years old. Lifelong dream, right? Later in life, they learn how to do it. It's not too late for you, right? There are story after story of celebrities. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Oprah, I think, started way later in life. She got fired from some jobs. There's so many stories out there of people who have succeeded in their field after failing early in life. We got time. Be faithful with the little things and see where it takes you. David was also able to have this different thought. He was able to not let fear be his first go-to. By number two, he had a sense of purpose on his life already. By this point in his life, he had already been anointed as king of Israel. But he wasn't king of Israel yet. It's important to know because... He probably had this sense of purpose. He showed up at the battlefield knowing that these would be his people someday. Can you imagine? You're not just one of the people. You are the future king. Nobody knows it yet, but you're the future king of Israel. These are my people. I have a responsibility to these people. He had a sense of purpose when he showed up on that battlefield. And you might be tempted to say, well, I'm not going to be a king someday, right? I'm not going to be president, maybe, how does that apply? You have been given a sense of purpose from God the Father. You do have purpose on planet Earth. In, in the previous chapter, we know that David was anointed by the prophet Samuel to be king someday. and He must have just shown up looking for his opportunity. right? Knowing that you have an anointing on your life changes you. 
It causes you to live different. It causes you to look for opportunities to, to run toward danger instead of away from it. When everyone else is running away, like in David's case, he ran towards it. It causes you to step up when everyone else is stepping back. It causes you to ask questions like he did. It causes you to think differently. Each and every one of you have been called by God for something been set apart for a purpose. You don't need to wait to know each and every detail of that purpose to step into it. I've seen so many believers make this mistake. Like, I just don't know what I'm called to. How do, how do I know what I'm called to? I made this mistake as a kid. I said, God, would just tell me what, what to do and I will do it, right? Instead, I should have been saying, you know, what is actually in the word that is already written that is my purpose? And so many of us, God, someday, maybe he'll put a call on my life, and then I'll just know. Then I'll start living for him. It's not usually how it works. <laughs> Sometimes it is. Sometimes there's a light from heaven, and God speaks, right? And he calls you to something profoundly. But more often than not, God finds somebody who is already being faithful to call into something big. And even then, they grow into it. <laughs> move towards it slowly over time after proving a thing or two to themselves and to God and then to the people that they'll serve. The character takes time to prove. You aren't just given trust. Usually it's earned. It's one of those things that can take years and years to earn, to build, but can be lost in one second. One moment of weakness, right? And the Holy Spirit doesn't usually gift us with something that's not already inside of us. But sometimes he does. By that, I mean, it's not often that we see people, even throughout the word, speaking languages that are not their own or, you know, they don't already speak. It's happened. It happened on the day of Pentecost, right? So it does happen. But some, sometimes God gives you those extra abilities. But more often than not, he empowers us using our own past experiences, using things that are with already within us. God has already placed gifts and talents within you, just like he did with David. David was talented. He developed that talent, though. He was faithful with it. The Holy Spirit taught him how to use them effectively over time. He can do the same for you. The Holy Spirit lights up something within you, something that may have already been there but laying dormant for a while. It causes you to come alive, to be empowered, when you know you're called to something, you act different. I can't tell you how many times this has saved me. Can't tell you because I legit don't know. <laughs> I grew up a pastor's kid knowing that I had a gift of leadership on my life because I had great leaders around me who told me, who, who called it out even when I couldn't see it because of the fear. But they could somehow. And just knowing that there were people that believed in me. This is why kids' ministry, youth ministry is so important in the church. They just need someone other than their parents who believe in them. They need people speaking into their lives, calling out the gifts and talents that they can see because at that age, they can't always see it. <laughs> they need encouragers. Uh, so many people, uh, what do you need done around here? And I say, kids and youth ministry, always. <laughs> Always we're looking for amazing people for kids and youth ministry. And they're like, ah, I'm not so good with kids. You probably are, though. <laughs> you don't have to be great with, with discipline and with, I don't know, all of the things we think we have to be great with in kids ministry. You just have to love them. 
just encourage them. We had a youth pastor here growing up for a while that he wasn't the right age. He didn't wear the right clothes. He, you know, he didn't fit the typical youth pastor look. He just loved us. We didn't care about all that other stuff as youth. He, he just spoke into our lives and loved us. Didn't have to speak the same language. He didn't have to wear the right clothes. Just be an encouragement. That's the kind of people we need. <laughs> just willing to do ministry with what's in their hand. You may not be a pastor's kid, you know, you may not be called into ministry, but you do have a calling on your life. That calling saved me growing up because I knew in the back of my head when I was presented with a decision, the typical teenage opportunities we're all presented with, right? I was able to say, ah, uh, no, I don't think so. Because I know there's people watching me. I know they know I'm a Christian. I know they know I'm a pastor's kid. I know they know I go to church and I can't represent Jesus that way. The calling saved me. Helped me make good decisions. This is what David had on his life. You have a calling too. I guarantee you, you have people watching you in your life. I have people who are gauging your behavior because they know you go to church. They know you believe in Jesus. We've actually never lived in a culture where this is more true. <laughs> Everyone's judging us, right? Culture itself is judging us. The world is watching. They're dying to pounce on anything you do that they see is contradictory to your faith. Don't give them ammunition. They're going to find it one way or another, but don't give it to them. <laughs> you have a calling on your life. You're called to be different, to live differently. We're called to be in the world, but not of the world. We're of different stuff. We act differently. Our thoughts are different. Our, the questions that we ask are different. Stay faithful with a little, knowing that you are called by God for a purpose, and God can use whatever is in your hand, even if it's just rocks and a harp and some sheep. That's all David had. God can use whatever is in your hand to develop you into more. He is a multiplying God. God's math is not addition. It's multiplication, right? Whatever you put into his hands, he will multiply. Change your thoughts from, I'm just a little shepherd. I'm just me. I'm just the lowest of my family. I'm just, I don't have gifts and talents like that. Blah, 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 right? We say these things to ourselves. This is our internal monologue. I'm just this. I'm just that. No, you are called according to his purpose, right? You are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You are more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. You are the light of the world. These are the callings God has placed on each and every believer. Right? You don't have to have a microphone to believe it, to walk in it, to speak with it. I, I am a laborer together with God. I am doing all things through Christ who strengthens me. You don't need the big flashy gifts, the onstage gifts, the ministry specific gifts to do those big things for God. You just need to know who you are as a believer in Jesus Christ, adopted into the family of the creator himself. We have to change our thinking. Change our thinking and stop believing the lies of the enemy that you are nothing. Understand that God has called you 
according to his purpose. But there's one more thing that David had that the rest of the entire army of Israel didn't have, but is available to you today. And number three is he was anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. He thought differently because he was different. He was anointed differently. He was the only one in a field full of God's people that had the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will cause you to think differently. The Holy Spirit empowers you, gives you power beyond your usual ability, power to flow in the supernatural gifts that Jesus himself flowed in, power to see things that are not as though they are, power to have faith, to believe that big Goliaths in your life can and should be conquered even when everyone else is scoffing, running away power to ask questions that no one else is asking have favor on your life that no one else has power to overcome your fears fathers on this father's day to be the best dads that you can be you need the holy spirit moms you need the holy spirit businessmen and women you need the holy spirit doctors and nurses and people out in the workforce, daughters and sons and grandparents. You need the Holy Spirit to be the best you you can be. I'm not talking about ministry necessarily here, but seeing the world as your missions field, right? Being empowered with the gift of the Holy Spirit filters down into everything in life. Everything. Everything, everything. Each and every one of us has giants we have to slay. We have things that come up in our lives and taunt us, make fun of us, cause us to question our our very existence, cause us to want to run away in fear. And we're surrounded by people who agree because they all have giants they're running from too. But you don't have to run. The good news today is that Jesus came so that we can live with God again. The message is not just God is for you and not against you. The message is also that he is with you. He's with you. The Holy Spirit is that voice in the back of your head whispering, you've got this. Got this. Even when the world is screaming that you don't. He's the one showing you things you never saw before. He's, He's the one giving you the wisdom to speak up when things aren't right the understanding to know when things aren't right. All across the country today, preachers are probably preaching that we need more men being men in this country on Father's Day and leading their families and standing up for what is right. And I agree, but I don't just think we need more men being men. I think we need more men empowered with the Holy Spirit working through them. I think we need more women empowered with the Holy Spirit speaking through them. I think we need men and women coming together all races, all backgrounds, working together toward a common goal, the gospel. It's the one banner we unite under. More vibrant, passionate, selfless disciples of Jesus Christ, empowered with the Holy Spirit to spread the gospel throughout the world. That is what the church specializes in.
us coming together. This is who we are. Fear shouldn't be our first go-to in that today. We have the Holy Spirit just like David did. He's the one reminding us to be faithful with a little. Reminding us that we are called for more. Reminding you that he is with you. That's his message for you today. Father, we bow our heads before you, but we know that even though we we come to you with a deep reverence and, and respect and honor, you don't ask us to bow our heads, right? That you see us as, as beautiful human beings on this earth. Not that we are groveling as slaves before you, but that we're offering ourselves to you. That you have offered yourself, that you, you sent Jesus so that you would walk with us. You are not a harsh slave driver, an angry God up in heaven wagging your finger at us. You're smiling on us today. You want to empower us with your very own presence and spirit. Holy Spirit, fall on us today. Fall on us today. Empower us today. We would be able to go into the world and preach the gospel as vibrant, passionate, selfless disciples of you honoring you in everything that we do. Maybe you would say, I've never given my life to Jesus. My life is a mess. I know I've messed up, done things that I regret, done things I'm not proud of. The good news today is that Jesus knows And he still died for you anyway. He loves you so much. He died for you. Offering himself as a living sacrifice to cover all of your sin and selfishness and shame. You don't have to come before God head hung, guilty and ashamed today. With Jesus, you can come before him head held high knowing that he loves you more than anything, sees you as the beautiful person he created you to be, and he calls you to more. It's never been easier to receive that forgiveness, that love in your life, to get a fresh start. In fact, all you have to do is believe in Jesus, to confess with your mouth that he is Lord, and to truly Make him the Lord of your life. Today, I want to give you that opportunity. Give you the opportunity to receive Jesus. To say, I'm in to this life. I'm into following him. I'm into being a disciple of his. I want to imitate him in my life. I want to get a fresh start and be forgiven. Experiencing the love of the creator. I want to also give you another opportunity today, though. Some of us, we've given our lives to Jesus, but we've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is available to all of us. It's something
something that each and every believer has been involved with already. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit was involved in your salvation. He, he was involved with that decision from the first thought. And he's still involved in your life here and there. But if you want him to anoint you, to give you the power to overcome your fear, to walk in the purposes of what he has for you, pray for the baptism just like they did in the early church days. Pray that fire would come and anoint your soul, that you'd be able to walk through this life with passion to be the world changer you were meant to be, that God has called you to. The same anointing that Jesus carried with him, the same anointing that David stood up to Goliath with, the same anointing that Moses led his people with is offered to you today. Don't leave here without asking God for it. The prayer team, the elders and pastors are going to be available to you up front today. Before you leave, get surrounded by people, right? We can lay our hands on you. We can pray over you. See the Holy Spirit come into your life with power and passion. If that's you today, I want to pray over us. Father, once again, we just boldly ask for the Holy Spirit in our lives, that each and every one of us would be ignited with that passion and fire within us to see this world changed, that we would truly be able to walk in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, that passion that just flows out of us when we pour you in. Anoint us, Father. As we leave here today, give us a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we would truly be able to walk into this world as vibrant, passionate, selfless disciples, changing the world with the message of the gospel. Help us tame our wild thoughts. Empower us, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. 